0: Those of you that are joining us online, those of you that are present, want to welcome you to Catalyst Christian Church. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. If this is your first time, we're very, very, very glad that you're here. Uh, it's great to see uh, people back to church. Uh, it's very glad. I'm very glad to see people re-engaging in life because that's. Uh, uh at, at some point that's what we have to do so uh those of you that are joining us online uh we really appreciate you logging in if you wouldn't mind send us a text send us a, a, an email um you know there, there's a person online that is kind of the the moderator online check in say hey we're here let us know who you are let us know where you are because we love to know who is here and you are here you all you all even though you're online you, we still consider you part of our church and so um, uh, we, we definitely want everybody to, to do that. So we are in a series called Grace Marriage, and the feedback we've gotten on this series has been really amazing. Um, it's really been quite eye opening on how many people this has been a relevant topic for. Um, and so today we're in part five, and it's called The Search for a Godly Spouse. The main thing today is this choose wisely. Who you marry will determine the course of your life. Will um, last year, as we were preparing for this series, we—I don't know if y'all know this or not—do the visiting. I, I do an entire year of preaching calendar. I know what I'm preaching on next August and next September, and we do an entire year in advance. Last year, we decided that the theme would be the adventure. And we thought, (laughs) we thought back then that the adventure meant that we were going to talk about stepping out and trusting God and, and going where no one else. Would go and taking seven mission trips and uh, all this year to visit all of our missionaries and all of our ministries around the world and 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 we we are continuing to 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 do that next year. Okay, we have put those off for a year. Hopefully, be able to do that. Um, But nothing this year has happened the way we planned it. Nothing. Um, We thought the adventure, like I said, would involve something else completely different. But here we are. Now we realize that uh, nothing describes the adventure more than marriage. Uh, More specifically, the search for a person to marry. Uh, Somewhere between one quarter and one third of the people in this church are under age 18. I don't know if you know that or not, and joining us online, many of you over 18 are single. And those of you that are over 18, like me, that are married, uh, your your fathers and mothers or grandfathers and grandmothers or aunts and uncles, if you've got close friends of people under 18 that are single, and you may not think this message is for you, but it is. Uh, In fact, I came to realize this week as I was preparing for this message that, that I probably needed to hear this message more at age 46 and being married 24 years than ever before. The search... For a godly spouse, I want everyone to uh, to remember 2 Corinthians 6:14 through 15. It says this. Paul writes this: Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what do fel- what can fellowship uh, what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Baal? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? The fundamental issue in marriage is being equally yoked okay Paul uses the image of a team of oxen plowing a field and both have to pull equally if one ox is pulling more than the other they're going to go in a circle and get nowhere Um, also both need to be moving in the same direction they can't be fighting each other or the field's not gonna get plowed. Um, Both need to be under the leadership of the farmer. If one of them is resistant to the farmer, and this analogy is God, then you're gonna have a disaster when it comes to marriage. And see, the problem is many of us skip this step, but this is the fundamental issue in marriage is being equally yoked, okay? I want you to remember that. You're not gonna hear that out in the world. You're gonna hear that here in the church. And many of us realize we're not equally yoked with a person we're attracted to. Many of us are dating, and, and, and we, we realize we're not equally yoked with them. And, and, and we come up with the most amazing excuses to explain it away, why it won't be a problem. But the problem is this, is that we think that marriage will change someone. All right? I want you to underline that in your outline. This is the problem. Okay I've heard so many times, once we were married, once we are married, we will fix that, whatever that is. Um, just remember this, ladies and gentlemen, that the whole dating thing, you are putting your best foot forward. You are getting the best version of the person when you are dating. Okay? Parents tell that to your children grandparents tell that to your grandchildren you are getting when you are dating the best version of the person the person will spend a lot more time with their parents, a lot more time using manners that they never intend to use ever again okay you are getting the best version so if that best version needs fixing what do you think will happen when you're getting the real version and many times people know this that they're getting the untrue version so they do something very foolish they say well we will live together and that's how we will know if we are if I've seen the real person well if that were true if that concept were true then, with the prevalence of people living together, the, the cultural acceptance of it, we would think that divorce rates would be going down as people were living together more and more and more, and then getting married because they saw the real person. We would think that we'd see divorce rates plummet, and but the, quite the opposite is happening. In fact, uh, couples that live together before marriage divorce at twice the rate that couples that did not live together divorce. Don't think that you'll succeed in God's territory of marriage by doing things opposite of what he says to do. Okay, you need to see the person, though, in real situations. You need to see, ladies, you need to see him in stuck traffic on Nicholsville Road at 5 p.m. You need to see him like that because the veneer comes off. Uh, You, gentlemen, you need to see her at the family dinner, how she talks to her mother, how she talks to her father, preview of coming attractions. You need to see them outside the ideal date, the well-dressed up, the the candlelit dinner at the restaurant that you know you can only afford once a year uh, with flowers that he will never ever get you again. You need to see outside that situation. And this is why, and I, I need to say this, this is why God says that sex is to be reserved for marriage. It's not that he's some kind of cosmic killjoy. This is why. Listen, I can't tell you how many times I have had couples come to me and they're in t- having terrible marriage problems and they, and they all say the same thing. Well, when we got married, he just changed. She just changed. No, they didn't. They may have, but What's far more likely is you fell into the same trap that people have been falling into since time began. Sex is a smokescreen. It puts on blinders. and Because you can enjoy it, it's like putting blinders on. Because, because you enjoy it, you overlook glaring things about the person that are wrong that everyone else sees that you can't see. Okay, I've sat with both men and women going through terrible trouble, and, and they, they say, I never realized how how um, uh, he could be so mean, she could be so volatile, he could have such a lack of character, that how they could be so dishonest, how they could be so terrible with money, and the list goes on, and, I, and that may be true, like I said, but the problem is, is that because you were engaged in a physical relationship, you overlooked all of those things that were obvious to everyone else, and then when the physical attraction and everything, Everything begins to wear off, all of a sudden these issues are plain to see. And everyone saw it but you. Okay? And when blinders come off and you really think the person changed, but they didn't. Okay? This is why it's so important to do things God's way from the beginning. So, I have five things for the guys and five things for the ladies to look for in the search for the godly spouse. Once we got to get, we have to get dating right, but once we're getting dating right, these are some things that I will recommend for the for the ladies, we'll start with the ladies. Search for godly spouse, what to look for in a husband. The first thing is this, a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3, 18 says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and forever, amen. I tell my daughters, look for a man who loves Jesus more than he loves you. Okay? A man who will challenge you in your faith. A man who will be the example for your future children. Don't take a man, take on a man as a spiritual project. I know a lot of ladies like to do that. You find this guy and you, you see the idealized version of him and you say that I can change him. No, no, you really can't. Remember in dating he's putting his best foot forward. And if he, what you see in dating is his idealized version, okay? He will be the spiritual leader in your home. Now, he doesn't have to have it all figured out, ladies. He doesn't have to have a degree in theology. He doesn't have to be perfect, but he, it has to be growing. A real man, ladies, will not, will not leave it to you. Listen, will not leave it to you to lead the family in prayer. When you're on dates, he should be leading you in prayer, Um, He should not leave you to determine whether or not you go to church that Sunday. He's not gonna leave that up to you, force that on you. Uh, Nor will he sit passively and watch you disciple your future children. A real man is growing in his relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've prayed with many women who've made this mistake. Uh, I thought I could change him. I thought I could save him. And I wanna tell all the ladies dating here that, that are dating that are single, I wanna tell you this, that you can either cry now or you can cry later. You can cry now when you've lost him, or you can cry later when you've got him. Okay, don't settle for anything less than a godly man, ladies. Secondly, a man of obvious integrity. A man of obvious integrity. Proverbs 10, 9 says this, whoever walks in integrity, walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. About 15 years ago, when I was in youth ministry, I, 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 one of the moms of my students came, she was concerned about her son. The family was in utter chaos, and she wanted to talk about that. And Her husband had just left her for a younger model. About half, a woman about half her age, she was devastated. And we talked and counseled a bit, and, and I happened to ask how they first met, and she said that, she, that the way they met was they worked together and he left his previous wife for her. She'd married a man who had left his wife for a younger woman, her, and was surprised when he did it again. The man you're dating, ladies, lies easily. It's very, very easy to, to lie about, uh, about things. It's dishonest with customers or clients. Can't be trusted with money. Uh, it's probably time for you to leave. I was asked to be a groomsman in a wedding when I was in college. I was 19, a college friend of mine. I drove down to Tennessee anticipating a fantastic time. I knew this couple. The guy was a friend of mine, the girl. Uh, they'd been dating all through college, seemed like, the great, like a great couple. Uh, we had the rehearsal and the rehearsal dinner, and I went back to stay with my aunt and my uncle. Um, I was the only part of the wedding party under 21, and they were going out to bars, and I was not bright enough to have a fake ID. Um, and so uh, I, I went back home, and they all went out. I found out the next morning that the other groomsmen had hired strippers that night and my friend, the groom, had had sex with one of them. And they had said it was his last fling before settling down, champing it as if it was something great. It was difficult to stand there and watch that wedding happen. As soon as the ceremony was over, I excused myself. I didn't stay for the reception and I just went on home. And it wasn't a year later that I received word that they were getting a divorce as he had found another woman. Ladies, you want to marry a man of obvious integrity. Don't settle for a man who's duplicitous. Date and marry a man who's honest, almost to a fault, who will actually tell you that if you ask, does this dress make me look fat? He'll actually give you an honest answer, honest to a fault. That's exactly who you want to marry and whose word you can fully trust, whose word you can take to the bank, who is where he says he is, day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year after year. And I hear all the ladies saying, there is no man out there like that. (laughs) Those first two things, you just eliminated every single guy I know. Well, very true, there are, but there are. They've always been around, ladies. Since the time began, since time began, they've always been around. Many times they aren't the ones that grab headlines or get voted most athletic or voted class president, but they're out there. They are out there, ladies. And every man is responsible for his own walk with Christ, his own integrity. I have to say that before I say the next, the next thing. But I will also say this, that there would probably be a few more men out there of character and integrity if the ladies insisted on it, refusing to date men that, they, that have no character and have no integrity. And when men are rewarded for being without character, we expect to see more without character. I just had to say that. Number three, ladies, you want a man that's able to make decisions, able to make decisions. First 1 Kings 18.21, 1 Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you be wavering between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But the people said, Nothing. One of the things of a godly man is that he is not indecisive. He's able to make decisions. He's not the kind of person that needs to call up his mother to find out what they, where you should go for dinner that night. He does not need that. You do not need that. You need, you need to find a man, ladies, that does not depend on other people to make decisions. Now, that's not meaning he doesn't ask advice. That just means he's not a waffler, not able to make up his mind because this is what he's going to do, ladies. This is what I see in young men. They say, well, you decide. And they become passive, hangers-on on the adventure of life instead of leading, instead of being a co-worker with you. He dictates all of the tough decision to you. You need to find a man who's not financially tied to his parents, Ladies. Because that, that's, that sours everything. I was counseling a couple um, that was about to get married, and we were going over finances, and he, he told me that his mom made his car payment, and his mom paid his cell phone bill, and his mom did this, and his mom did that. And I looked over at the future bride, and I said, how was relationship with the mother-in-law? And she stared daggers through my eyes. <laughs> Things were not good, because the financial ties allowed the possessive future mother-in-law to do this to involve herself in the relationship you want good boundaries a man who can make decisions without calling up other people number four ladies you need a man who is able to love sacrificially it's Ephesians 5 25 through 26 says husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word so we ask how did Christ love the church did he demand his own way did he put himself first demanding that she follow his lead uh, throwing a fit when he didn't get his way is that how Christ loved the church no no He did not love the church by making snide and passive-aggressive comments or acting rudely and selfishly when he didn't get his own way. That's not how Jesus loved the church. Ladies, the man you date and marry should love you the same love that Christ loved his church in a sacrificial way. And look what Paul says here. This is genius. And what was the result of Christ's love for the church is that she was made Holy, that she was made pure, that she was cleansed. Ladies, the guy you are dating should make you holy, should make you pure. Okay, the man you date and marry should move you to holiness and purity. If the man that you are dating is is self-serving uh, and pressuring you for sex or pressuring you to do things that you feel are wrong or to, are compromising, it's time to leave. This man is not loving you the way that Christ loved the church. And men, let's make sure that we are loving the ladies in our lives, our wives or our girlfriends, as Christ loved the church. Because that is what our call is to do ladies your eternity your life your heart should be of utmost importance to him your relationship with jesus christ should be his number one concern and if it means for for your relationship to christ to be better if he's out of the picture he'll be the first one to go because he cares that much about you and that's not what this culture understands you all We live in a self-indulgent culture that says my needs, my wants, my desires are the most important. That's the the biggest problem that I need to solve. Christ shows us much different love, not of self-indulgence, but of self-sacrifice. To the men in the room, how many of us have done something for our wives this week or month that would fit squarely in the category of self-sacrifice? Fifthly, Ladies, you need a man who's able to laugh. Able to laugh. It doesn't mean that he's a comedian or the class clown. As a matter of fact, the funniest thing about him may be that he can't tell a joke. That he bombs every time he tries to tell a joke. Uh, that, that's, that my, ask my wife about that. She's been dealing with that for 24 years. Every single time I try to tell a joke in a sermon, she, I, I'll watch my wife cringe she, I, I, I start setting up the joke and she knows a joke is coming and she starts doing this. And then as the punchline gets closer and closer, she goes, because she knows I'm going to get nothing but crickets. As a matter of fact, I've already told 10 jokes a sermon. Y'all haven't laughed once. Okay? And that, that's the way it is. But it is important to be able to laugh if, 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 the, if, you're, if you're, the man that you're dating cannot laugh at himself, cannot laugh at, 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 at things that happen, cannot tell a joke or a story where he looks ridiculous and everyone laughs, be, be aware of that. Because having a sense of humor is so very important in marriage and in, in, in life. Okay, beware of a man who takes himself too seriously. If he can't laugh at himself, that's a big problem, ladies. okay. It, it, but even if your guy can't tell a joke, laugh at it, because we need that. Us guys that aren't funny, we need that, okay? So thank you, we really appreciate that. So those are the things, ladies, to look for in, a, in the search for a godly spouse. Let's talk to the fellas in the room and online. What to look for in a godly spouse? Number one, tall. Too thin, no, I'm just kidding, no, I'm kidding, okay? That is wrong, all right? The first thing that, that, guys, we need to look for in a spouse is a personal faith and a trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, the Bible says do not be unequally yoked because you will, in, in, in your relationship, in your marriage, you will find that the closest you will ever be to your spouse, is when you can communicate on the deepest level possible, and that is the spiritual level. There's too, much, there, there's too much potential for conflict when you are not equally yoked and you are not together on the fundamentals of Jesus Christ and his word. Also, fellas, a, a, a lady that is, has a personal faith and trust in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ She will be able to demonstrate fruit of the Spirit. So I want to ask you, do the the ladies that you are dating, do they demonstrate love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? These are things that a woman of God will be manifesting in her life. And you, as, as, too, as a man of God. But does she demonstrate those things? Look, look at her and ask yourself, is she joyful? Is she loving? Is she kind? Is she self-controlled? Does she have these things that are the marks of, a, of, a, of the Holy Spirit within her? Second is that, fellas, we, we need to marry a woman whose beauty is more than skin deep. More than skin deep. 1 Peter 3, 3-4 three says this, Your beauty should not come from outward adornments, such as elaborate hairstyles, or the wearing of gold jewelry, of fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, that, uh, that, that has been misconstrued to say that women shouldn't do their hair or shouldn't wear jewelry. That's not what it's saying. It's just saying that's not where your beauty should come from, ladies. Okay? I don't know of anyone who sets out to find a spouse that they are not attracted to. Okay? I I I I don't know. I don't know anyone who does that. Then that's not what I'm saying. But Proverbs 31:30 30 says, says that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I remember being at a college ministry one time. I was a sophomore, a junior in college, and and this guy was talking about relationships and really good stuff. But then he said this he goes, look around you, college people. He goes, this is the most attractive you will ever be, okay? Pretty soon, you're going to look like your parents. And you heard this collective gasp from the college students. And so we looked around, and we all thought what our parents looked like. And this just kind of depression hit all over because we realized that, yes, we are going to look like our parents, because we have their genetic material, okay? We are going to, everyone in here, you're gonna look like your parents. You, you all appear. you're gonna look like your parents, okay? Kids in the nursery, you're gonna look like your parents. You will, okay? Make sure that we are finding a person that isn't just beautiful outside. So you guys remember, there are only four stages of life. One, you believe in Santa Claus. Two, you don't believe in Santa Claus. Third, you are Santa Claus. Fourth, you look like Santa Claus. Okay, that's the way it is. So men, let's desire a woman whose beauty comes more from gazing into the mirror of God's word than from gazing into a mirror. When Rachel and I met, we were hardly more than kids. I just turned 19. And I'd never seen a more beautiful woman in my life. But as we dated, and married and lived life together, I realized something, is that she was beautiful both inside and outside. And I realized something even more important, that while she was beautiful inside and outside, the inside was the prize. The outside was just the bonus. Fellas, if the woman you're dating is jealous, angry, volatile, just waiting to go off when things don't go her way, take note. She may be physically attractive, but what does she look like on the inside? Is she a person who can keep a confidence that you can confide in, or is she one of the three fastest forms of communication, telephone, telegraph, and tell your girlfriend? Is she a woman of character? Is she someone that is beautiful both on the inside and the outside? Because as you get older, you begin to realize that the beauty on the inside is the prize. That's the real prize. Third, fellas, you want a woman who is an initiative taker and can live sacrificially. Proverbs 31 is the vision for what a godly woman is. Ladies, I would highly recommend you read it. And men, uh, ladies, you read it for what you should be and men, what you should look like. Proverbs 31, 15 through 17 says this. Very interesting about this being a godly woman. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings. She plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. I have found in marriage that marriage is hard work, and especially when you have children, it takes a hard working person with initiative. It says here that she gets up while it's still night. She, she is not lazy. She's not a person that, that neglects work. She is the godly one. She gets up before everyone else and, and, uh, and provides this way. And, and m- many of the things that women do in marriage, guys, are going to be sacrificial. Women probably do a much better job of putting the needs of others first than men do, almost to a fault. I've seen women wear themselves out and not take care of themselves. And so many times, ladies, the men in your life would wish that you would take care of yourself, that you would stop. We don't need this being done for us. We wish you'd stop and chill out because you're driving us crazy. Okay? So this can be carried too far. But you want a woman who is able to live sacrificially, an initiative taker. Like I said, women do, in general, a better job of living sacrificially than men do. Um, one of the most sacrificial people I've ever known in my life. If you guys follow me on Facebook, I wrote about it this week. Uh, it was my grandmother. Um, I, I was I had the misfortune of hearing the number one song uh, on the on the air this week. I'm not going to say what it is because you can look it up for yourself. This is, to say that it is um, disgusting and perverse is an understatement. Um, and as I, I I had the misfortune of hearing a snippet of it and. Um, and, and all of a sudden when I heard that, that that was what love and being a, an empowered woman really was about. I thought back to 24 years ago and watching my grandmother. My grandmother and my granddad were married 51 years. And uh, for the last, oh, six, seven years of their marriage, my grandfather had advanced Parkinson's and dementia. And um, and he he as he unraveled, his behavior uh, towards her was complete 180. He was a perfect gentleman, and and uh, and and as he progressed, and his Parkinson's disease began to be very angry, and and and, and yelling things, and, um, and and quite ugly, as many of you guys have seen in in your families but my grandmother determined that she was going to care for him going to look past all of that and she kept him at home and she uh... Um, it took a toll on her her health deteriorated as she cared 24-7 for the man that she loved um, and as i when i was a junior in college i was engaged i was about to start out on my own marriage the next year i remember being there at at at, the, at a family gathering and and my, my dad and my and his two sisters were very very concerned about my grandmother because she was losing weight. She was she's not sleeping well. Uh, we thought that this would kill her. We we thought we'd lose her. And so the, the the her her children approached her and says, Mom, you can't keep doing this. You need you need some help. You need some uh, someone to help with dad. We, we it, put put him in a nursing home because this is this is going to kill you. They were very concerned about him. And I remember my grandmother just looking at them and said, listen, when I said, till death do us part, when I said in sickness and in health, when I said for better, for worse, I meant it. This man is the father of my children. This man is the love of my life, and he is going nowhere. And as I thought back to that, I, that made such an impression on me as a young man about to start off in marriage. When I see that, that, you all, is real. What I heard from Cardi B on the, on the airwaves is not real. It's, it's fake. It is designed to sell records. It's not love. Remember, the people that are telling us what love is, Hollywood and pop stars and celebrities, are the worst at it. They can't, they fly from relationship to relationship. They've been married and divorced 10 times, and they're the ones that are telling us what love is. Okay, it's like taking financial advice from a guy $200,000 in credit card debt. Don't do it. Okay, and as as I watched my grandmother sacrifice for I, 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 I realized just how much respect I had for her because that was real. That was real. It took a toll on her. She never fully recovered from it. She never did, but she did it willingly and she did it lovingly because they had something real. And when my grandfather died, he died with his wife beside him holding his hand. And as I listened to the words of the number one song, I just can't reconcile what I saw as real, what was being promoted to our kids, especially our young girls what love is this culture unfortunately makes it difficult for a woman to live sacrificially and I think gentlemen that um, women who live sacrificially will be increasingly hard to find in the years to come not because there's something wrong with them but because this culture has shouted to women to put themselves first this culture has devalued the beautiful role wife and mother it seems to think this culture that a woman who lives her life just simply doing whatever she wants whenever she wants is more satisfying than a woman who spends her life being the primary influencer of the next generation and her family. It seems to think that a selfish woman who spends her life indulging in self leads a life that's more satisfying than a woman who can look across a room during Christmas and Thanksgiving and see a large family brought into the world by her and her husband seems to think that the definition of a happy woman is one who braves the world alone, needing nobody, rather than a woman who is a committed husband walking through life by her side, who reaps the rewards and benefits of all the hard work she's done and child raising, seeing her children turn out to be people who love the Lord and who love their family. As a father to daughters and husband to my wife, I'm grieved over what this culture has told women to do. How so devalued the things that I see have done the most to fulfill women. How it is so mocked and ridiculed, self-sacrifice, motherhood, marriage. I thought this week as I was preparing for this lesson, this message, I thought, who were the women who have influenced me, who have, I have respected? Who are the women that have left their mark on me, that have, that have taught me or that I respect, that I have gained, that has spoken into my life? Who were they? Well, they were people like my mother, my wife, my grandmothers, countless other women teachers who have been influential on me, not because they did what they wanted to do, but because they lived sacrificially. And at the end of my life, I am better off for having women in my life that have sacrificed and, and influenced me by their lives and by their witness than a woman who just went and did what this culture said to do. They were not selfish, thinking only of themselves and not of others. They were, self, they were self, self-sacrificial, and they took initiative. Number four, men, you want to look for a woman that will build your hus- her husband's confidence. Proverbs 31, 10 through 12, listen to this. Ladies, this is for you to remember. Men, this is not for you to quote to her. Listen to this. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Listen, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. So ladies, I have a question. Um, Those of you that are married, is your husband better off for having married you? Simple question. It doesn't devalue women, rather elevates women to say that God has gifted them with a bigger capacity for kindness and support than he has for us men. If we think about it, the women who shaped our lives have been influential done so because of their kindness and their compassion, and because they've encouraged us. In our society's quest to produce effeminate men and masculine women, we've lost this. To the men out there, does the woman you're dating tear you down? Does she mock you in front of her friends? or in front of yours? Does she highlight your faults in the presence of company, trying to make you look as ridiculous as possible, trying to tear you down, not in a fun, kidding way, but in a mean, malicious way? Does she spend time reminding you of your failures, constantly bringing up the past, how you mess this up, how you mess that up? I have one word for you, if those are the things in your life, run. Instead, the woman you're dating should make you feel like a man, who has what it takes? We men need the support of our wives. Wives and girlfriends, us men will never tell you that. We won't tell you that because we're not, we're not allowed to. This culture doesn't allow us men to need anyone. We can't say it, but we know it. We need the support of our wives. We need the, the women that we travel through life with to believe in us. So men, look for a woman that will build up your character, your confidence. Not one that tears you down and makes you feel like you're this like like you're that tall, okay? The last woman, same with the men, with a sense of humor. The ability to laugh with your spouse, you all, will get you through the toughest times and the most dark places that marriage will take you. Everyone will experience pain and heartache and hard times in marriage, you will. And the ability to laugh will get you through so many of those situations. The, the married couples out there, I want to ask, how often do you laugh together? How often do you laugh together? This world is so funny. There is so much funny stuff out there. Every, we, we, if we truly had eyes for humor, we would be laughing at least once an hour because of something that some, some is going on. I, I remember several years ago, I saw this very funny video about people trying to park cars that couldn't park cars. And I, 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 I was in my office, and I called up my wife, and I said, hey, you need to go watch this video. And she was, she was at home, so she pulled up the video. We were on the phone, and I heard her hit play, and the music started, and I, saw, I heard her chuckle, and then chuckle some more, then start to laugh, and then start to laugh, and start to laugh more, and I just thought to myself, the beautiful sound of my wife's laughter through the phone. I listened to her laugh and I started to laugh. And then she heard me laughing and she laughed more. And pretty soon, the video was over and we were still laughing. For about five minutes, I couldn't stop laughing, she couldn't stop laughing, we just sat there on the phone and laughed together. I, I, probably the people that, that were in the office with me were like, what in the heck is going on there, man? But the ability to laugh, you all, will get you through so many things. How wonderful it is to be married to a woman who's quick to laugh, so quick to find things in life to be joyful about, to find funny. So quick to find the humor in things. How wonderful a life you will have if you're married to someone that really finds humor everywhere. I wanna invite the band to come on up as we close. I know a lot of you all that are single right now are saying that person doesn't exist. You just laid out something that does not exist. And I understand that, but I want to argue with you. I want to tell you that you're wrong. They do exist. The first step is to be one. Men, take the list of what I told your wives to look for and your girlfriends to look for and be that man. Women, take the list of what I said, told the guys to look for and be that woman. That's the first step to finding one. It's to being one. You want a godly spouse, be a godly spouse. If you want a godly boyfriend, be a godly girlfriend. If you want a godly girlfriend, be a godly boyfriend because because birds of a feather flock together. They do. And if you're already married, same thing. Be that person that your wife would choose if she were single. Ladies, be that person that your husband would choose if he was still single, if you all were both single in the search for the godly spouse, I just pray this for this church because I love you, for the people online because I love you. Don't ever settle. There's one thing worse than, being, than the loneliness of being single, which so many single people tell me is so lonely, it's frustrating. There's only one thing worse than that, and that is being married to the wrong person. Do not compromise. Do not settle for being unequally yoked. Make sure that you're pulling together. Make sure that you are, make sure that you are in a, in a in a relationship that are both receiving directions from the farmer. Pulling together, working together, both equally committed. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, as uh, as these as the people online and, and present here. Are in the search for godly spouses. First of all, I want to pray for the marriages in here. It's been a tough week on some of the marriages in this church, uh, and I pray that you would provide grace. Um, I pray that Lord um, that you would uh, turn the hearts of husbands and wives towards each other, not away from each other, and that Lord that you would be, be uh, that you would remove any uh, animosity or any tension and replace it with the fruit of the Spirit, with love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Lord, for the single people that are looking, I pray that when they are right, when they are ready, when you deem them ready, I pray that you would bring a spouse to them if that's what they are praying for, if that's your plan for them. And I pray for the single people. I pray for the youth, the, 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 the young people in this church. I want to pray for their future spouse right now. I pray that you would set them apart, that you would protect them, that you would disciple them, for maybe 10 years in the future when they will meet. I pray that for right right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word which leads us and guides us and help us to be the person that our spouses, our girlfriends, our boyfriends need us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray.